Thanks, Azizha. A very good morning and thank you for joining us today for Sequence Scientific's earnings conference call for the second quarter and half year ended financial year 2022. Today we have with us Manish, Sequence Managing Director, Sharat, Joint Managing Director, and Tushar, CFO, to share the highlights of the business and financials for the quarter. I hope you've gone through our results release and the quarterly investor presentation that has been uploaded on our website as well as the stock exchange website. The transcript for this call will be available in a week's time on the company's website. Please note that today's discussion may be forward-looking in nature and must be viewed in relation to the risks pertaining to our business. After the end of this call, in case you have any further questions, please feel free to reach out to the Investor Relations team. I now hand over the call to Manish to make the opening comments. Thank you, Abhishek, and good morning, everyone. I welcome you all to our Q2 earnings conference call. Joining me on this call are Sharath Narsapur, our Joint Managing Director, as well as Tushar Mistri, our CFO. Before I come to the business and the earnings aspect, health and safety of our employees is core to our value, and I'm happy to share that over 99% of our workforce is now fully vaccinated, with the rest 1% to be vaccinated during the month as they become eligible for the second dose. On the business front, while the numbers were muted compared to the corresponding quarter, it is hurt me to note or see that we recovered well in comparison to the last quarter or Q1 of this year with a 10% growth. This was aided by a healthy 21% growth in our API business in comparison to the Q1, while our formulation business continues to deliver consistent growth across geographies. Even though the industry at large is facing challenges due to rising input and logistics cost, we have undertaken several steps across the business to mitigate the impact, and we expect these to start reflecting in our margin in the coming quarter with the full benefit from Q4 onwards. We face multiple challenges on the business front due to cost pressures and the recent energy crisis in China. Our businesses in Brazil and Spain, which have a greater dependence on antibiotic APIs from China, face significant margin pressures due to sharp increases in the input costs. While we have initiated steps to pass on the incremental cost, you would, we all agree that there is a lag and we expect sequential improvement in margins and expect to achieve normalcy from Q4 onwards. There was some decline in the API margin as well, partly on account of cost increases and balance on account of product mix. We are also looking at our costs aggressively and have initiated significant programs on both process and yield fronts. Now let me discuss the performance of each business segment in detail. On the API business, as you can see from the numbers, challenges on the demand side are gradually reversing as we witnessed a sequential growth. We expect the growth to accelerate in the coming quarters. We are seeing muted sales of one of our larger products, Albendazole, for last couple of quarters. This is largely due to slower offtake from WHO, who is a major consumer of this drug, for deworming amongst school children in Africa. With schools now reopening, the WHO demand is slowly coming back. The rest of the portfolio grew over 25% in the quarter. We continue to track well, track well with a steady high single-digit growth on the formulation side. We did reasonably well across most geographies with Latam and Turkey leading, 
and Europe back on track with about a 10% growth. India's growth was subdued at 4%, but this was largely on account of the base effect as we had commercialized Zoetis uh, portfolio last year in the same quarter. And it was a dry kind of launch in the sense there were three to six months lag before we relaunched that portfolio. So there was a lot of pent-up demand in that case. Emerging markets were slow and we continue to maintain a safe approach in these geographies, more so in the current heightened volatility scenario. Strategically, we are adding new growth engines with several new initiatives to expand our offerings to include vaccines in India and Turkey, as well as the recently concluded long-term agreement with a top 10 animal health company. All of these shall contribute to our revenues from FY23 onwards. As mentioned in the last call, we are pleased to welcome Alexi Gox in our organization as Vice President Commercial to spearhead our formulations business. Alexi joined us on 1st September and brings in over 20 years of experience with leading companies like Verbeck and Seva mm -hmm. and had led businesses in multiple geographies including Europe, Latin and Southeast Asia. Alexi has hit the ground running and is currently driving our strategic, strategic initiatives around UK and Germany, both of which should see commercialization in the coming year. We continue to make progress in our inorganic initiatives and expect some new growth engines to be added in the second half of the current year. To conclude, despite a challenging first half of the year, we look at the second half of FY22 with increasing confidence as we start reaping benefits of our recent actions and deliver a near double-digit growth despite a flat API business for the year. Uh, because there has been a decline, we expect a recovery in our API business, but even then we expect a overall a flat API business for the year. This will be led by a sharp, or sharp recovery in our order book, which we already see building up for the second half. Business should be back on strong growth track from FY23, supported by some of the initiatives, just as I mentioned a little earlier. I would now like to hand over the floor to Tushar to discuss the financials in detail. Over to you, Tushar. Thank you, Manish, and uh, good morning, everyone. Let me give you some insights into the financials for the quarter, and let me start with the p and During Q2 FY22, while our revenues were slightly above similar quarter last year, the business saw some pressure on the gross margins. This was mainly on account of product mix in our API business, as also cost pressures and business mix in our Spanish operations. While operating expenses are in line with expectations, it would be important to note that last year, due to COVID restrictions, there was lower sales and marketing uh, expenses, like uh, travel and marketing spends. As, this things as things normalize, we see these expenses normalizing again. However, concerns remain on logistics costs, due to timely availability of containers and vessels. The overhang of ESOP cost continues to be there, even though it is a non-cash expense. As mentioned in our Q4 call, the charge will taper off slowly with initial quarters facing the major rate. You would also recollect that last year our effective tax rate was higher as a suspense in some geographies were delayed due to COVID. During the quarter, we saw the closure of these assistance resulting in reversal of provisions made for prior years. Let me now give you some insights into the balance sheet position. We saw an increase in the inventory as we prepare for improved demand in the second half of the year, resulting in higher working capital as well as our netted positions. 
We are in process of closing the consolidation of the minority stake in Brazil and expect to complete the same during the quarter. We do not expect any significant impact on the liabilities accounted as of 30th September on this account. Finally, I wish you all a very happy Diwali and a prosperous India. Thank you. So we can now open the floor for questions. Thank you very much. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on the touchstone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Participants are requested to use handsets while asking a question. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while the question queue assembles. The first question is from the line of Manish Gupta from Solidarity. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I have two questions. The first one is uh, how much of the, uh, you know, you, you said the API business will roughly be flat for the year. How much of this would you attribute just to inventory uh, normalization in the supply chain? And what percentage of this would you attribute to uh, more competitive intensity from China? That's my first question. The second question is that, you know, given what's happening in Turkey, how are our long-term uh, growth plans for using Turkey as a sourcing base for other geographies affected by, uh, you know, any risk that uh, if the, uh, you know, Turkish president starts acting tougher uh, on uh, diplomats, how much of our growth plans would be impacted by Turkey as a supply base? Thank you. Sorry to interrupt, but we cannot hear the management. Oh, sorry, uh, we were on mute. Yeah, thanks, Manish. Uh, very, very interesting questions, and I think you have hit the uh, nail on the head. Now, coming to your first question, the API business, <clears throat> uh, all our uh, the entire dynamics that is playing out in our API business is purely coming out of the supply i mean we are not facing any competitive pressures either from china or any other player and that i think is one of the strengths of our business model the only challenge we have is on account of two things one there was a built-up potentially of some of the apis undertaken by our customers last year and so therefore there is a base effect and also they are kind of now aligning their inventories and second is which i mentioned there has been a slowdown in the Elbendazole sale, which is one of our larger products, uh, simply because WHO, who is a major consumer of this uh, formulation, as they distribute this product, product across school students for deworming in Africa, uh, with schools being closed for almost a year, this demand was subdued. Uh, and therefore, this led to a shortfall in demand for the Elbendazole product. Both these aspects are now reversing, and therefore we are seeing a continued build-up in our API business. Q2 has been better than Q1, and looking at the order book that we have currently, so in spite of having a 10% or little over 10% decline in first half, we are guiding to a flattish API business because clearly H2 will see a growth vis-a-vis -vis last year, as also growth vis-a-vis -vis H1 this year. So we are very confident of a strong rebound in our API business. 
more so in FY23 because there we will benefit from a normalized sales through the year, plus also some of the new initiatives which I have mentioned, especially the new uh, multi-year contract that we have signed with another top 10 company, that should come in very quickly. And FY20, uh, FY23 should see a significant spike coming from that contract. That is as far as API business is concerned. Now coming to Turkey, see, uh, for us, Turkey is a made in Turkey for Turkey business model. Uh, while we have been exploring emerging markets and even Europe exports from that market, actually this recent currency depreciation makes it even better and more competitive for us. Turkey makes it, uh, becomes even more competitive in that aspect. The only risk or challenge is on the diplomatic relations side of Turkey, on which we have no control. Uh, having said that, Turkey business has been an outperforming business for us. We continue to benefit from our close to leadership position in the local market, and we are very confident of maintaining more than double-digit growth in the local markets by itself. So I will not be, uh, while well, yes, we will be continuously watching the entire uh, political game, but I will not be unduly worried about it as far as our Turkey business is concerned. Manish, if I may ask a follow-up, uh, yes. you know, given the, you know, weird economic policies that the president is proposing, that is, you know, you have to reduce interest rates to manage inflation. Uh, you know, is there a risk that uh, we are putting, and I'm not talking about the local business of Turkey, I'm really talking about using Turkey as a base for your global foray. Do you think that Turkey may not be the right location geopolitically to use as a supply base? So, if you, uh, and you have been tracking us long enough, we have been always cautious in using Turkey as a global base for our uh, supplies or manufacturing. Uh, so fundamentally, it does not change any of our plans. And you would also notice that we have been investing more in Germany to convert that to our global base, especially for injectables. So I, I will be, honestly, it does not impact our business plan at all. Uh, at best, uh, there would be a couple of percentage change in the outlook for just Turkish business, that too from the emerging markets. Otherwise, I'm not at all worried strategically because we never looked at Turkey from a global sourcing angle. Excellent. Thank you so much, Manish. Yeah. Thank you, Manish. Thank you. <clears throat> Reminder to the participants, anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one now. The next question is from the line of Soumya Rajan Sinavadi from HCCI. Please go ahead. Yeah, so I also uh, wanted to uh, focus on the Turkey business, which uh, is now. And I saw, like uh, you mentioned, uh, that in emerging markets, we are having a cautious look. Uh, so can you elaborate on that front? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I could not hear your question well enough. Can you, do you mind repeating it? Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, uh, I saw in uh, uh, your results yesterday that you are having 
uh, a cautious approach towards uh, emerging markets. Can you elaborate on that point? Uh, what is that? Yes. So, so these emerging markets, what we categorize as is largely markets of Africa and to some extent Middle East. Middle East is a very small component of that, a larger part is Africa. Uh, selling in these markets is never a problem, collections is. So therefore, uh, especially when there is a heightened volatility, the currencies in these countries and currencies are also, availability is also controlled by the central bank in these geographies. So therefore, we continue to be cautious as far as these geographies are concerned. Uh, because we do not want to take any payment risk and only do business on more or less either advance payment or LC basis. <clears throat> That's why you will continue to see volatility in our emerging markets business. And we, that, is, uh, that is by design because we do not want to push uh, and take high risk in that part of the market. <clears throat> Does yeah. that answer your question? Yes, yes. Uh, another follow-up, if I may ask, uh, is like uh, we are seeing uh, like the profit and loss statement is not that uh, is not that good from the last couple of quarters. So how long it will be uh, continuing uh, the same, and uh, how likely are we uh, like going to see the reversal? Uh, yeah. Uh, again, a very valuable question and uh, certainly very important for any investor. Uh, clearly, uh, I would say this quarter was a perfect storm because there were pressures on the cost side, not only on the logistics cost, but also material cost. Demand was slightly subdued. There were enormous volatility across currencies, especially in Turkey and Brazil. And uh, all in all, that led to a significant uh, reduction in our margins. With flattish, flattish sales, you would have seen that our gross margins dropped by about 5% and our operating costs went up by about 10%, even though we did reasonably well as, as far as our operating costs are concerned, uh, leading to the overall reduction in gross margins for the business. Qualitatively, I can assure you that there is no deterioration in business. In fact, we continue to be uniquely positioned in all the markets where we are, especially in our API business. Uh, some of the actions that we are taking and have taken, both on increasing the prices as also aggressively tackling the cost, will start showing results from Q3 and full benefit will start accruing from Q4. So as of now, I have reasons to believe that Q4 onwards, we should be back on our growth track as far as margins are concerned. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Aditya Khemka from Incred Asset Management. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, good morning, and thanks for the opportunity. Uh, Manish, sir, uh, three questions. Uh, firstly, you mentioned in your remarks that uh, Turkey currency depreciation actually makes you more competitive. Uh, yet, in this quarter, despite the depreciation, we have seen actually an adverse impact. So, uh, is it the completely the Brazilian currency that has made you lose so much gross margin? Yeah. 
uh, you want to complete all the three questions or should I take one by one? Let's go one by one, Manish. Okay. No, so the gross margins have come. Uh, impact on gross margins is no, nothing to do with Turkey. It is more to do with uh, two matters. One is pressures on margins in Spain and Brazil, which is coming from API cost increases because most of these APIs that are uh, the consumed in these markets come from China, uh, given that these are oral antibiotic markets. The other part is the business mix. So you would notice that the, uh, the share of API business in the oral business mix is down, and within API also the product mix. Uh, all of these have led to, so there is no singular reason for this drop. It has come from all the areas of business. Uh, but largely it has come from the three specific buckets. Spain and Brazil is the largest in impact and some impact coming from the API business. Okay, thanks for that. <clears throat> and uh, just wanted to understand a question related to the fabric of the nature of our business. So like in human pharma, we have chronic drugs and acute drugs. Is the case similar in animal pharma? Do we also have chronic and acute? Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, no. Animal health is a very basic market in that sense because 60% uh, of the market or the world is commercial business. It is driven by meat and milk. And rest 40% is the companion animal business, which is obviously more emotional or emotive in nature. So largely, it's more uh, acute market. There's negligible or zero, close to zero component of chronic diseases. Though I must admit that this is now coming up, especially in the pet animal segment. So the real way of looking at this market is segregation between companion animal and the uh, production animals, rather than chronic and acute. Understood. Uh, but at the same time, you know, given that majority of the market is acute, let's say 90%, 95% is acute because, you know, these are products given to different animals uh, once, uh, once they are at a certain stage. Uh, then, then, you know, in that case, uh, in COVID, we saw acute consumption of drugs falling for humans because people were not stepping out of their homes. For animal healthcare, uh, you know, I don't know uh, how this would play. So just wanted to understand were the volumes last year lower than what they were supposed to be because of COVID, or was there any impact of COVID in the volumes last year and any impact of COVID this year? I mean, if you could give us some sense on, you know, how COVID impacted volumes in the business. No. So, uh, fortunately, uh, as I said, a major part of the market is driven by commercial animals, and people do eat, whether they are in-house or outside the house. So... There was no demand as far as protein, uh, no change in demand as far as protein requirement was concerned, and therefore uh, there was no impact on the animal health market. Of course, there was a benefit on the companion animal side of the market simply because uh, as people were stuck at home, there was an increase in the uh, people adopting more pets at their homes. So, so that part uh, definitely benefited as, as far as structure of the market is concerned, but there was no adverse impact on the production animal side of the business. Does that answer you? Does that answer? Yeah. It does, Manisha. Uh, just one last question I have. Uh, you know, 
uh, when you're selling API to your customers, right? So last year when you were selling them to your API and this year as you continue to sell to your customers, uh, is it possible for you to know why you are selling that this is an overorder and therefore this is the customer trying to build up inventory or do you only come to know post-factor? Yeah. And next quarter the customer doesn't place enough order. <laughs> so this is unfortunately one of the uh, problems of our industry because in absence of any database or information, we are only relying on customer information. Uh, we do not have any historical trends, uh, excepting our own internal trends. Mm. Uh, so, uh, see, uh, unlike in human pharma, wherein uh, there is a kind of a complete transparency because of IQVIA information, there is nothing in animal health, and therefore, we it's both a challenge and an opportunity because lack of information is not only true for us, but it is also true for our competitors. So. In that sense, I must admit that it is only a de facto analysis and not something which we can gauge beforehand. Understood. So, so the way you are gauging the fact that there is inventory destocking happening at the customer end today is that a customer would have placed order for 100 units last quarter, he's placing order for 30 units this quarter, and you went back to him and asked him why are you placing 30 units today, whereas you placed 100 units last quarter, and he has informed you that he has. 60, 50 units of inventory already lying with him. Is that is that a reasonable understanding of what's happening? Yeah, largely reasonable, but obviously they never tell you this clearly. Yeah. Uh, they will only, it's a, see, typically we get an annual forecast uh, with quarterly form orders from all our business is regulated market driven by long-term arrangements. Okay, almost 75-80% uh, of our API business is like that. So we get fairly... A detailed forecast from our customer for one year with a firm commitment for one quarter. So what they typically do is they will shift demand by one quarter and then they then when you engage they'll give you some some color around it. But they'll never be so open about it that I built up this inventory and I'm carrying so much stock. All, all that kind of information obviously is very commercially sensitive and nobody would like to give. Sure. So at any given point in time, you have visibility or it's not visibility, you have an understanding of what your next six, nine or 12 months of order book looks like, given that your customer gives you an indicative uh, budget of what he wants from you over the next six or 12 months. Is that a fair statement? Yes, yes that's correct. That is true for about 80% of our revenues, as I mentioned, which are uh, driven by regulated market and long term, because we are part of their filings, technically. Understood. Uh, sir, I may have a couple more questions, but I'll come back in with you. Thank yeah. you so much and all the best. Yes, thanks, Aditya. Thank you. Participants to ask a question, please press star and one. The next question is from the line of Dhruv Bhatia from 16th Street Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, good morning, sir. Uh, so I have two questions. Uh, the first one is, you know, in the presentation, you talked about the first success uh, with the supply arrangements. Uh, could you just talk about, uh, you know, more about this contract, whether this arrangement is a longer-term arrangement? Uh, is it a new API that you are uh, looking to supply to them? And what made uh, them choose you over the other players in the market? I mean, is it purely on price that you offer that is, uh, you know, for COVID reasons they've uh, chosen uh, sequence? Uh, so that's question number one. Uh, the second question is you did talk about API growth being flat for the entire year. 
uh, you know, is that confidence coming from Albinman or uh, you know, demand recovery, or is it more from X or that the other product market which you are looking at uh, strong recovery? So, so uh, let me respond to the extent I can because I cannot disclose. Uh, too much sensitive information or commercially sensitive information about the new arrangement that we have made, but uh, it's one of uh, it's one of the newer products in our portfolio, which has been validated and commercialized a year or two back. Uh, this demand is largely the customer demand is largely for the U.S. market, and in the second year of commercialization, it should contribute over 10 million of revenues for us. Uh, now, coming to why they are shifting to us, obviously it is their prerogative, but we believe uh, we are very well placed on this molecule. That was the reason we developed it. Uh, other than one competitor or two competitors in Europe who were historically there in this molecule, there is no other competitor. So we clearly have a long-term strategic and competitive advantage as far as this molecule is concerned. Even if others were to come, it will take them a at least a year or two before they can even come where we are today. Having said that, uh, the reason we have gotten is not on price. In fact, we are same price or even higher than the current suppliers, but it is more around supply chain security. So we, we are significantly backward integrated on this molecule, and we have done a lot of this engagement has been almost for a year before conclusion. So you must have uh, you must understand the diligence that the customer would have done on us in terms of supply chain security for them to move such a large volume of a fairly expensive API to us. So that is, uh, I think, broadly the answer to your first question. Uh, what was the second one? The API, uh, your growth uh, projection of flat growth for the year is it more from uh, you know, Albendinol's sale recovery, is it from X or that that you're expecting? Or has World Health Organization, you know, demand, has it recovered? What gives you the confidence for this flatter growth, for flat sales, despite a 10% decline in H1? Yeah. So it comes from three facts. Uh, one is obviously we are seeing recovery in Albendinol may not come to back to the full normalcy, but there is a recovery. Already we are seeing order book building up as WHO is releasing more and more orders to the formulators. So that that is one aspect. Second is our rest of our portfolio continues to do extremely well and has grown 25% in the first half, and we expect the growth rates to be maintained in the second half as well, coming from the order book that we already have. And the third aspect is overall uh, that inventorization that had occurred, the stock built up, that also is moderating, and we are already seeing customers coming back with demand for us. So all these three factors collectively give us the confidence of API showing a positive outcome in second half, making up the shortfalls of the first half, therefore leading to a flattish overall revenue for the year. And as I men mentioned a little while back, to be back on reasonably strong growth track for FI23. Perfect. Thank you so much. Very clear. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Rishabh Sherdalal from Pravin Rajlal Share and Stock Brokers. Please go ahead. 
yeah uh, thanks for the opportunity uh, i just have a request if you can patch in mr aditya khemka in uh, my opportunity i think it will be good because his questions were good if you can just patch him in my chance he's already he's already asked the questions can we have the next question please tujay okay uh, hello we'll move to the next question which is from the line of manish gupta from solidarity please go ahead uh <clears throat> manish one more question please that in in your apis of interest or what share of wallet do you estimate you have of uh, the customers uh, total purchase as of now uh manish this is a very very difficult question for me to answer not for the reason that i want to avoid it but simply because such an information is more or less impossible to get in the animal health business but let me give you or make some attempt okay there are products in our portfolio wherein we are currently the sole <coughs> vmf holder for us market okay so what it means is the innovator may have his own source but all generic companies are dependent on us at this point of time and even innovator may be looking to move to us because we are certainly more competitive than his own manufacturing at this point of time so there are a couple of products in that bucket a larger bucket would be the second bucket wherein there is very limited competition at best one more uh, api manufacturer other than the innovator and then there is a third bucket wherein we will have one or two products which are more competitive so that's the large composition the reason we always talk with confidence about our api business is is not because we are taking competitive position and taking away share of others we are actually working with the so called innovators and gaining their wallet share okay so uh, us is not a i mean it should our business model should not be seen in line with the other api companies it's a very different model simply because we are in animal health space and simply because there are no facilities approved by us fda in the space that we are in so we have taken a fairly uh, good positioning as far as this business is concerned the negative side of this is that each of our product opportunity is nowhere comparable to the larger size opportunities that the human api companies play with yeah very clear manish uh, you know uh, the last question is that given that the primary concern of your customers really seems to be to ensure supply chain security and i think we are the only us fda approved api plant in india at least as of now how do you see the margin of this business say 5 years out means yeah uh say for these two quarters performance which obviously saw a dip in our margin the regions we uh, the reason i have been so uh confident about projecting our growth in margins was largely stemming from the uh, from our epa business it's a it's a amazing business model that we have created uh, i think it will take time for anybody to catch up to where we are so certainly i stay 
extremely confident around the margins of our API business, excepting for the short-term pressures which we saw. You would also appreciate that when you are in regulated markets, you tend to have price increase in your contracts only once a year. And you need to honor or respect your customers to that extent. So, uh, yes, short term there are margin pressures in the API business, but this will correct certainly from Q4 and will be back on strong growth track thereafter. But, you know, uh, five years out, Manish, could this be a 25% margin business, given the fact that supply chain security is more important than cost? See, uh, Manish, you are trying to expect little okay, no, more no, than no, what... No, no, that's not fair. No, no, Manish, uh, that's not fair on my side. I don't want to put you uh, uh, under uh, any uh, difficult over here. Manish, the easy questions, so we log figure out, kar lete you know, it's the hard questions we have to ask you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One last question yeah. from my side, Manish. What percentage of our API business are, are we dependent on uh, starting uh, raw materials from China or intermediates from China? Yeah. So it's again a little difficult question. Uh, the reason is our own dependency on China has been continuously reducing by our proactive measures. And we are down to, I think, less than 15% last year. This year will be even lower. But the unfortunate part is our, our own suppliers are also dependent on China. Hmm. Okay, so at this point of time, see, none of us can wish away China because your own direct dependency may be lower, but your indirect dependency is still higher. And that is something which will need some structural adjust adjustments for all the countries, including India, and may take up to two to three years. Right, so uh, would it be fair for me to interpret that three years out, the India API ecosystem will not be that reliant on China directly or indirectly? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone has woken up to this stark reality, including the governments of the world. And there is a significant effort being undertaken in this regard. It is happening quietly. So yeah, it is happening quietly, not that visible, but you will see a big ramp up in the API ecosystem over the next three years. Thank you so much, Manish. This was very, very helpful. Thanks, Manish. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Manoj Karak from Vaito. Please go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so very good morning to uh, all of you, and uh, thanks for taking time out. Uh, so Manish, just to understand uh, uh, on this AP contact which we assigned, uh, if you can help us understand uh, that this $10 million number which you have spoken uh, just a while ago, what percentage of that towards API requirement will be taken care by us? Or are we likely to be uh, the sole supplier or uh, maybe there are other suppliers? I don't think in this product we can claim to be the only supplier. As I mentioned, there are two other European companies who have been historically dominating this product. We have been one of the recent entrants. We filed this about two years back. This is our first significant commercial breakthrough as far as this product is concerned. Uh, and this, I'm not even talking of the innovator demand. So the company which we have dealt with is one of the top 10 
companies in animal health, but not the innovator of this molecule. Uh, just as an add-on, we are also in discussions with the innovator. So the difficult to say how much share we are getting because uh, that's not an easy judgment. This API is also a multiple formulation API in the sense that it, it is also part of combination drugs with multiple APIs. So therefore, it makes it even more complex. But I would believe that we have a very competitive position, especially coming from the supply chain, as far as this API is concerned. And that is the reason why both this company and also the innovator are looking to deal with us. That's great. And just uh, maybe based on their uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, top line sales for this product, uh, what could be the ratio of uh, the innovator versus the generic company in terms of sales? So that at least we can have some approximate idea uh, of what could be the uh, opportunity side for the product. Yeah. So as I said, the challenge here is this goes in multiple formulations. Uh, it is not a single molecule. I mean, there is a single molecule uh, formulation also, and it also goes as combination drug. Now, animal health has combination drugs because of the nature of this industry. So therefore, it is difficult to gauge, but I would guess about this generic company should be about 25 to 30% of the global market in terms of this API. Innovator still would be much, yeah, innovator will be still much larger. Got it. Uh, and the second thing, I think you also have indicated that uh, you have uh, now put a you know, specific team uh, to target the top 10 animal healthcare companies for the API. Uh, if you can help us understand that, uh, uh, what's your thought process out here? And uh, while we have seen uh, the tracks in one API, uh, but in terms of uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, one has to look at from the three to five years perspective, how should we think about, uh, you know, uh, this incremental focus uh, on these top 10 companies uh, ultimately helping us to ramp up our API business? Yeah. So, uh, Manoj, this will require a little longer answer, uh, but I'll uh, give a short answer now and we can have a separate engagement on this because if, sure. if you notice that our core strategy has been how do we engage and get a larger wallet share from the top 10 animal health companies of the world. Okay, and we have had some success but not that deep engagement thus far. Therefore, as part of the, with the guidance of the new board, uh, with the Carlyle initiatives, we have set up a dedicated team uh, because any engagement with Big Pharma requires a lot of work to be done. It, it is not just meeting with the supply chain guys there. It is also about R&D, quality, managing the entire ecosystem around the Big Pharma world. And that's what we have engaged now, created a separate dedicated team, uh, which will focus on these kind of en uh, engagements going forward. Got it, got it. And uh, Manish, you have also uh, highlighted in the presentation about the vaccine initiative both in Turkey and India. Uh, would you help us understand about uh, the kind of initiative and when should we start seeing uh, the port coming uh, uh, in, in these two territory? Yeah. So we are working towards fairly close to finalizing arrangements for Turkey and for India. 
the turkey run will be faster because the product or the company we are dealing with are, is already registered both as a product both as products and plant in turkey so that will be faster the indian initiative is where we are dealing with a company which is yet to be registered in in india so therefore that will take about 18 months for registration and commercialization so turkey should commercialize in fy23 in the indian one should commercialize from fy24 Okay. And uh, are you calling out uh, money like which are the kind of vaccines these are, uh, and uh, maybe in terms of the overall addressable uh, market opportunities? No, we are not sharing that information. We still have time, and I don't want the competitors to be ready. No, clearly understand and appreciate. And just the last question, Manish, like if you look at in the uh, from a long-term perspective, you guys have always spoken about. Uh, meeting kind of sustainable growth. Uh, given that this year is a tough year for us, uh, uh, you know, and probably uh, we may not be having the similar kind of growth uh, what we have achieved in the past historically and guided even going forward. Do you think that maybe FY20, FY, uh, sorry, FY23 and FY24 uh, should be able to cover whatever the lost uh, uh, sales we had in this year? And hence, when one look at from a CAGR perspective, we should be uh, in that healthy meeting kind of range. Uh, yes. Certainly, uh, Manoj. I'm extremely, at this point of time, I'm extremely confident of uh, kind of filling the gap that we have this year by faster growth in the rest next two years, coming from the two uh, significant new initiatives like vaccines and some of the other things that we are doing. So we are. As of now, extremely confident of maintaining that medium-term guidance over a three or four-year period. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, wish you all the best. Thank you, Manoj. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Pratik Poda from Nepon India Mutual Fund. Please go ahead. Yeah, so can you just talk a bit about your formulation business and how do you see that in the medium term? Uh, you're talking at a gross formulation business level? Uh, yes. Yeah, certainly uh, we are very confident of maintaining mid-teens revenue growth here uh, coming from existing markets and also some of the new initiatives that we are taking. Uh, we had launched Elevira Italy two years back. Happy to report that we have now gained... Uh, traction there and hit the EBITDA break-even level in the next six to nine months we shall be launching Elevira Germany and Elevira UK. These will be additional growth engines. We are getting into vaccines both for India and Turkey and we are also looking at pet business segment in some of the markets including India, Turkey and Brazil. So, so with a strong portfolio some new business initiatives and certain new arrangements that we are looking at. We are fairly confident of maintaining a mid to high teens growth. The high teens growth should come in the last two years of our strategic plan because that's when we commercialize our operations in US. Hmm. And, and how do you build distribution networks? Sir? This is unlike human pharma. Here you need a very influential distribution network, right? How do you build that? No, so there are two aspects to the distribution network. One is the network which makes the product available. So that is not a complex one. 
and the second is the network which generates demand correct yes so the, the demand generation part is where we will be looking to keep investing now that's where our choice of business which is production animal makes it easier for us because production animal does not require very large field forces it requires uh, more strategic and uh, limited field forces and that's what we are good at and what about pet animals which you are targeting how do you build over there um, the field force or or uh, because that's also a focus area right for you yeah yeah so uh, if you look at the focus area for pet animal business is only three markets which is india brazil and turkey and that's where you target the big cities so you you don't need to spread too thin it's not a rural market as far as pet is concerned so you target big cities which is good enough uh, and therefore you don't require again too much of a headcount got it thanks yeah thank you thank you the next question is from the line of hardik bora from union mutual fund please go ahead hi uh, thank you for the opportunity good morning everyone uh, so uh, first question is on uh, the uh, uh, price passing on the the raw material uh, volatility to customers how how much time or how much lag uh, is there between us passing it on uh, how much time does it take uh, both on the ap and formulation side so there's no straight answer for this uh, obviously based on the arrangements you have with customers some of which are long term then the contracts will provide for once a year price revision and some of it is spot or some of it can be once a quarter so but typically between 3 to 6 months is when we should be able to fully pass on the cost increase you'll also notice that we are nearing the end of the year and generally some of the large companies follow calendar year concept especially as mm. far as their commercial conversations are concerned yeah at this point of time more or less we are engaged with all our key customers for passing the price increases some of it has already occurred and therefore i said some benefits will accrue from or some mitigation will occur in q3 but uh, more or less by q4 will be done okay yeah um i'm just saying is it possible for uh, you to share how much of our business is long term contract in nature which you know cannot uh, where the pricing cannot be altered within before 12 months so uh, see i can't give you precise numbers but we have been always guiding that 65 to 70% of our business comes from regulated and stable customers so that will give you a good indication of where what kind of conversations we need to have with those customers we always rest 30% which is more unreg and uh, spot kind of buying so i i think uh, it will give you a good indication but uh, hmm. i cannot give yeah. you a precise number no that that helpful so just a follow up on this uh, you know in the presentation we are talking about uh, initiatives taken to mitigate this uh, rm environment apart from price hike uh, is there anything else that we have done that you would want to elaborate on yes so i mean these are also opportunities when you look at your costs more aggressively and what we are doing what we have done is strengthened our technical team brought in uh, specific teams to focus on costs especially on process and yield fronts uh, this is something which was initiated a, a couple of months back 
again it takes time to deliver and i expect some outcomes of that starting this quarter uh, so we have now created dedicated teams focused on cost far more aggressively than we did in the past uh, and uh, what were the other so the other things are likes of power and fuel okay because that's one more area which has gone through the roof in the last couple of months and we are looking at how do we optimize our boilers and so many other things so there are no big ticket ideas let me put it this way when you deal with cost but you have to mm. nudge away from every cost item understood uh, okay um, so just one more clarification of two two things that were discussed i just missed uh, this 10 million target that you gave uh, on this on this uh, contract we won supply agreement with a top 10 animal health company uh, by when are we saying this will be achieved so major part will start in q uh, in fy23 itself i would say at least 75% of that peak should get achieved in fy23 and fy24 should be 100% oh okay and just one more clarification was on that you said in india by fy23 and in uh, in prospect fy24 that's the targeted uh, commercialization right no the other way turkey will be fy23 and india by fy24 uh thank you and uh, wish the team at sequent happy diwali yeah thank you very much and wishing you the same party thank you the next question is from the line of bharat seed from quest investment please go ahead hi thanks for the opportunity and good morning to all of you yeah, good morning yeah good morning bharat can you update little or more on this germana injectable facility and where what stage we are and vizag uh, yeah. plant uh, api usfda approval yeah so uh, taking the second one first vizag uh, plant is already approved by usfda since 2018 okay okay so there is nothing uh, yeah actually first inspection occurred in 16 and 18 was the follow on inspection and actually we are due for a third inspection now but it is a already approved plant and all we are adding is more and more products to those approvals on last count i think we had close to 20 uh, us vms and every year we are filing between 3 and 4 vms each year so nothing really is happening as far as vizag is concerned from a new regulatory approval perspective okay having said that we have added a new clean room there last year Correct. or at the beginning of this year and as we speak we are adding further capacities there to facilitate the medium term growth medium to long term growth from that plant now coming to the german plant this was uh, see we were planning to take it to us fda and make it a global hub of manufacturing for injectable products Sorry. that project got delayed because of covid there was no way to have done that project last year which was the original timeline we shall now that the travel is opening up we shall be taking up this initiative starting march or april of next year it is when the project uh, the site will be upgraded and upskilled because we will need additional capacities also to be established to be offered for us the first filing has already occurred from that plant so moment we are able to upgrade and up, up, upskill uh, or upscale fda inspection is expected by end of next year do we expect that commercial benefit to start roll out from the 
FY24 or a 25? Later half of FY24 would be our current estimate. Okay. With the major benefit in FY25. Thank you and all the best. Thank you, Bharat. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the last question for today. I would now like to hand the conference over to Mr. Manish Gupta for closing comments. Yeah. Thanks. We hope we have been able to answer the questions or answer most of your queries. If you have missed out any of your questions, kindly do reach out to IR, IR advisors Christensen or Abhishek Sinkal, and we shall get back to you offline. I would also like to thank you, uh, thank all our stakeholders for their continued support throughout the difficult times. I wish you all a very happy Diwali and a prosperous New Year. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. On behalf of Sequence